Hey there, this is Andrew, and uh, today I'm going to be bringing you something a little different, talking about what dead games are and the history of some different games that have died and how that could relate to Keyforge. And should we be about that happening to Keyforge? And, and if so, what should we be worried about exactly? So this came up because the last few weeks there have been several conversations that started in Forge Facebook group and, and even some other places with people worried for various reasons. Oh, well, I read this, I heard that. And I want to just give a quick shout out. Uh, Dominic Hurov did a nice little write-up about the history of some of these games. And uh, it was interesting reading through his write-up there in the Facebook group because he just had a different history than me. Um, I, I played Netrunner. Um, I played some Destiny, but uh, he he had played some games that I hadn't, and I think wasn't such a big Netrunner player, so definitely filled in some gaps there, and hopefully this will fill in some other gaps. But um, but I wanted to address it in this format and just kind of walk through some of the categories of why games die. So uh, first off, I will start by addressing the question of what it means a game to be dead and one theme that I've seen come up in this discussion is people will say well if you can play it on your kitchen table if, if all you do is play on your kitchen table it's not dead and that's a really good point because if you are a person who plays these games just you know with a friend casually then it what does it matter to you if if no new content comes out if there's no competitive scene but you're able to still play it the way you always have then what does it matter to you and I, I think that's a really good point. And um, and I know that FFG Fantasy Flight Games, the publisher of Keyforge, specifically very aware <clears throat> of their kitchen table players. So uh, so I, I think they they I'm sure have that in their mind that hey we don't need this to go on forever for it to be a success and and make some people's lives better. However, a lot of us you know, do like the experience of having competitive play of having a place to go on a regular basis to meet up with other people and play and we like the experience of uh of yeah that high level competition and then of having a meta that is shifting and as new content comes out maybe it pushes the meta in a different direction and things that weren't viable before are now and things that were before are less viable now I love that experience, and a lot of other people do too. So, um, so for sure, for a lot of us, if FFG stopped producing new content and if they uh, stopped having a competitive scene, then it would be a loss to us, and it would it would reduce our interest in the game. Now, I'll say we're uh, we, are, we are almost a year into lockdowns. And the Keyforge competitive community has really stepped up and run events online in a way that I think has really helped the game. It's been, you know, I've really, I've helped a little uh, and participated in a lot of other people's events, and it's just been fantastic. So uh, we've even seen the meta evolve since new sets have come out, right? So um, e even without new content, it, the meta is not necessarily static because... Uh, different different people are still discovering different things and and exploring what what is a really good combo in this set so it's uh yeah it's 
it's been very good. Now, would that continue if there were no new content? That's a great question. Uh, you know, or if we knew, oh, FFG is just never going to do competitive stuff. We've kind of had it in our mind. They're going to, we're, we're going to be able to jump back into this at the end. So that's been kind of a, okay, let's just keep everything going until FFG picks up the mantle again. But I think once things start letting up, you're going to see official events and community run events going side by side. There was some of that before, but I think we're going to see even more of it now because these online communities have grown and become really vital for people. So anyway, so that that's what people mean when they talk about a dead game. They mean there's no new content coming out. There's no regular place you can go and play with people. There's no uh, strong competitive scene. And uh, that's, a, that's what makes it dead. Okay. So let's talk about how things die. Fantasy Flight Games has a history of games dying. I think a lot of publishers do, but Fantasy Flight Games specifically has a history of games that are that have a competitive scene and then die. And um, and yeah, they're they're definitely not alone in that. Uh, I think of a game like Hero Clicks that I think has you know gone up and down over time. Magic has had a really consistent community for decades. And Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! are other games that have had just a really consistent competitive community for a really long time. But if you follow the board game space, if you follow um, if you follow podcasts or, or vlogs like uh, like the Covenant Cast or there there are others out there that discuss these games, there are there are plenty of other publishers that have competitive games that come on the scene and then eventually go dark and stop producing new content. Some that, that do that pretty quickly, even ones that are really promising and fun. So definitely not unique to FFG, but I, I, I feel, and I know a lot of other people feel like, oh, FFG has a history, probably because they produce such really fun games, and so you in these games you want them to just last, just be vital, be, be vibrant forever, and when it doesn't happen, it's disappointing and it sticks with you. So... Uh, yeah, so they do. They definitely do have a history, and let's talk about why some of these happen. So one of the reasons that games can die under their own weight is because of barriers to entry. The first Game of Thrones card game had this problem, and, and they ended up producing a Orsat 2.0. They, they just threw everything out and said, okay, let's do a 2.0 version of this that... Um, that then didn't stick around for as long as the first one had. And uh, and from what I hear, I wasn't involved in that game, but I know a lot of people felt like, oh, it's just way too hard for a new player to get in. This picture here is of Legend of the Five Rings, the card game. And I have not played that game. I read about it when it first came out. I was kind of interested, but I just didn't have room in my life at the time. I was a netrunner. And, uh, man, I just look at that, and there's just so much going on. And I love big rule sets, but it just seems so complicated to me. I know the games last pretty long, and it just seems daunting to me to get involved. Now that game just got shut, uh, discontinued. They are they're they're going to stop producing new products for it. So, um, is that part of why it happened? Because they couldn't get new players to come in? Because oh, here just go buy you know four years worth of content in order to catch up and be competitive. I don't know, but I know that does factor in for some people. Netrunner had a problem like this as well, and they started to try to introduce um, 
rotation to get there. The game got discontinued, I think, for, for other reasons, right around the time rotation became a really strong factor. So, um, so I think they actually had a pretty good plan to keep that going, and it just didn't work out um, because of other reasons. But yeah, it, it once you have, okay, if you need to be competitive, you need to buy this entire back catalog and need to understand all this much about the meta. It's just, it's very, very daunting. Uh, yeah, longer play times and even uh, having to have a wide card knowledge. Even if you say, okay, here, just, just do this deck archetype and run with this for a while and it'll be fine. It can still be difficult if someone feels like, okay, but I'm going to face so much crazy stuff. So this can be a factor why it's difficult to get new players involved. And if you're not getting new players involved and you have a few people leaving at a time, then over time you're just going to peter out. There's not going to be a market. And when there's not a market, the publisher's going to stop making the game. That's just how it works. Uh, so how do you fix this? Well, um, I think FFG has been trying out a lot of good ideas on this. Um, one way I mentioned in regard to Netrunner is rotation. Where you say, okay, older sets are no longer allowed in certain formats. Uh, Magic is a great example of this, where they've been doing this for decades. They have a strong rotation schedule that uh, is just very consistent. Um, another another way to handle it is power creep. If you just make the new stuff way stronger than the old stuff, then you don't have to rotate. It naturally happens, but Magic's done a good job of uh, having a solid rotation schedule and, as far as I understand, not, not having a problem with power creep. Um, and then I, I have some stuff here from Marvel Champions and Arkham Horror, which are cooperative games, but uh, they have cool things going on where for Marvel Champions, every time they release a hero, that hero comes in a package with a full deck that you can just use. So if you have a friend that has the, the game that has the scenarios and you just want to sit down and play with a, a hero that you're excited about, you just buy that hero and sit down and play and you have a deck that's ready to go too much. Uh, and so for Arkham Horror, which is has a pretty deep catalog, they have done something like this where they have uh, ready-made investigator decks that you can buy, play, and and there's enough new content in there that as somebody who is a collector, you know, I will probably buy those uh, even though, you know, I, I'm into the game. I have a big catalog. So um, and, and, and for Keyforge, have these self-contained decks where it's just, okay, go buy this and you're good. You can just sit down. Uh, for Magic, they have formats like Sealed, which helps with this. You have, um, and from my understanding, and, and I haven't played Magic in a while now, but the, from my understanding is that there are formats now where you get a deck that is made and has some amount of balance in it uh, that you wouldn't play for Constructed, but it's fun to just sit down and play. So, um, yeah, and I think Keyforge is really good here. The, the one thing I worry about with Keyforge in regard to barrier to entry is as there become more and more rules, and because older sets will stay viable or will stay legal, um, the set of things you might face becomes very deep. But I, I think that's kind of okay. If you can just sit down and things are moderately balanced um, or you know, relatively balanced, down you can play and and um, not care too much. Keyforge also doesn't have strong like bluffing elements or things like that. Keyforge had a lot of bluffing, a lot of this could be one of these 20 things and what do you, you know, 
might make a different decision based on what you think it is and it's face down and uh, you really needed to know the whole card pool but that's not so true with I mean it helps but it's not necessary in the same way so uh, yeah so I think keyboard doesn't have a big problem here um, and they're even again sort of using uh, concepts from Keyforge and other games to improve, to lower their barrier to entry, and other publishers are picking up on it. Okay, another reason that games end up dead is licensing, and this uh, could be a situation where, well, first, first of all, um, to explain what I mean by licensing, uh, licensing where you take intellectual property that is that belongs to some other company and you include it in your game and you ask that company for permission, they'll say, okay, well, you pay us this much, this amount, okay, I will pay you that, and then you get to use their, their content. Well, um, right off the bat, that is going to reduce your profit, right? Because you have these development costs, you have production costs, and some of that is going to this other company that isn't making the game. All they All they have is, you know, the, the intellectual property. Oftentimes they'll provide art assets, but that probably means they're cutting further into your profits. So, um, yeah, so you are stuck in that situation where your profit margins are just going to be lower than if you didn't have to pay those licensing. Like if you were doing uh, something that was public domain. Unmatched is a great example of this. They have some content that, some packages that they release that are public domain and some that are that have licensed uh, characters in them and for the licensed characters they actually have a higher price point and they uh, I think they sell them through a different publisher they have two publishers working together for that one so um, and it, it costs something like five dollars more for a for a box of four characters so um, so it really can add up and and it cuts into the into profits price point which is going to cut out some players <clears throat> in addition to that which is just it's you know like okay now you're running with weights on your ankles in addition to that there's a possibility that you just suddenly can't come do a deal anymore and net the i have netrunner up here but netrunner is a crazy situation because the original netrunner card game if i understand properly licensed the lore and theme from Cyberpunk 2020, but was inventing a new card game mechanic. The FFG reboot of Net Netrunner, Android Netrunner, uh, licensed the, the card game mechanics from Wizards of the Coast and the, and the name Netrunner, but used their own internally developed intellectual property called Android. They have several other, FFG has several other Android games. So, um, so there, it was kind of complicated. And in the end, uh, the game, you know, they, they had a core 2.0. Things seemed to be going great. The, the player base was starting to grow again after a slump that I think had to do with barrier to entry. And suddenly they just, stopped it just got discontinued they didn't have the, the license and i don't know all the details to that i would i someday would love for somebody to do a full dump of info about what happened there but uh we'll, we'll have to wait till we find out um and maybe we never will but that that game i think as far as i can tell really died due to licensing issues 
uh, and it, it's kind of thematic that that happened, and the community thematically said, well, get the corporations, we're going to do our own thing, which is pretty cool, but I haven't been playing it since then. Um, uh, War, Warhammer is an interesting example. FFG used to have a lot of Warhammer-based games, Warhammer and Warhammer 40k, <clears throat> and they had a uh, situation where it, it seems like probably what happened is Games Workshop, who owns the Warhammer IP, intellectual property, said, uh, you know, you're getting a little too big for your britches. We don't, too much of a competitor to us now. We don't want you our intellectual property and cut the license. Conquest was a game that died really, as far as I can tell, as a direct result of Games Workshop just saying, we don't want you using our IP anymore. So, uh, yeah, so sometimes that's why a game dies, and it'd be really cool to see the um, mechanics get reworked and, and republished, but uh, whether that happens is always who knows. Um, so how do you solve that? Well, one way is to just make your own IP or use the public domain. And so for Keyforge, FFG has used it there, uh, you know, has entirely invented their own. You know, they do have some costs associated with that, right? They have to have writers and artists and all this sort of thing, but they have total control over it. And nobody can come in and say, oh, well, now you have to pay twice as much or, uh, you know, unless, unless artistry just gets twice as in case all games are going to be affected. So, um, yeah, that's a, a great way around that problem. Um, okay. Next problem that I want to bring up is production cost and complexity. And this is, I, I have Destiny on here for a reason. Uh, although it's worth noting, there are other games that are more complex too. But when you buy a, a board game, it typically will have little little wooden or, or plastic pieces, sometimes in certain shapes. There's a big card, thick cardboard board sometimes, maybe some cards. Um, but all those things are... Uh, you know, add cost to, to produce. Cards are, are very inexpensive, relatively speaking. If you're just printing a bunch of cards, your, uh, you know, your production costs are just are going to be pretty low. Star Wars Destiny is a game that played like a card game, but then added in these dice components, these custom dice components. And, uh, and they had booster packs that each contained a single die it messed with the, the, the rarity ended up being important because all rare and above cards would have a die that comes with them, and a, each booster pack would have one rare or other card. But because of this distribution model, you can't have, like, you can't get a second rare in there. No way. Um, you can't, can't have something crazy happen where... You know, you, oh, let's make a uh, let's make a common card with a die. You can't do that. So there's some, some constraints there. But ultimately, you know, like they're they're printing these dice and putting them in booster boxes, which is something very few other company, companies are doing. They're packaging them with cards, which is also weird. And you end up with these booster packs that have this weird shape, and they have to be put in these big boxes. And so it just it just means that you're they're their economy of scale is going to be way off compared to a game like Keyforge, where it's just print a bunch of cards and stick them in a package. So, uh, and then on top of that, you have the licensing costs. So, really, they they I think for Destiny they needed uh, they needed the bigger in order to justify all that extra overhead. Um, and 
And I will say, uh, this is something I don't have a, a separate slide for, but distribution issues um, with Destiny also were a big problem. And I don't know how much of this was due this being custom stuff they're manufacturing or what, but for whatever reason, FFG was just wildly inconsistent about when Destiny reached stores and how much would reach stores. Um, and they've had some problems with Keyforge, but up until COVID, they were doing really well. And even since they've done a pretty good job of communicating, um, the, the mass mutation release got messed up pretty hard by COVID, but that's pretty understandable. So, um, so yeah, anytime you're adding all this custom stuff, it just makes things more complicated, more expensive, uh, less reliable, and um, it's a, it's a it's a big thing. So uh, okay. And the last thing I want to address are design limitations. It's possible that for some games, like you just run out of ideas. Um, I put the question: Is this real? Because um, I think there's kind of a sliding scale here, where if you, you know, if you were willing to hire the right people or pay enough money, you probably find somebody who would come up with some new design feature to add to the game, some place to take it. Um, but uh, that that becomes a, a pros and cons thing, right? Where you really need to have the it bringing in the money to justify spending more on design. So, um, so it's, this is a real problem, but it tends to be kind of a trade-off rather than just like a, oh, there's no other place to take the game. And um, like I said earlier, there are some examples of games that have been around for decades and, and are good examples of not letting this stop them. But uh, I think, you know, it, it is a real possibility. Um, and there's a bit of a cycle here, right? If you, if if we have a vibrant player base buying lots of copies of the game, then the company has more money to pump into uh, resources to develop the game, which means they're going to produce a better game, which means more people want to get involved. Um, this is where major, a major design misstep, taking it in a direction or something like that, could really hurt the game and, and put it in a negative spiral. But this can also be a positive spiral. So... Uh, yeah, so this, this I think, is really the thing that's most likely to take Keyforge down. If you look at those other categories, um, it's, it's just the production costs relative to other things that are out there. It seems to me like it, it just should be super low. Um, I, I, would, I would guess it costs them much, much less to print a deck than it than the MSRP. Um, much less. Uh, and, you know, and it's their own IP, and, um, yeah, so, so really, the question is just, are they going to keep producing a good, fun product that people want to buy, that people want to play competitively? And I think, if so, as long as, uh, at, because of the costs being relatively low, the barrier for what size the community has to be to sustain the game is also relatively low. And so until they hit a point where, okay, there's no other place to take it or they do something stupid and we all walk away, I, th I think Keyforge is pretty much around 
to stay. Now, the last thing I wanted to say here, and I don't have a slide for this either, is I think there are some interesting design things in Keyforge that haven't been in other games, right? Like the idea of a unique deck and and um, even the head-to-head, -head, but it's a race, not a uh, not a fight. Um, and it's a little surprising to me that there aren't more uh, examples of competitors popping up trying out some of those ideas with especially with regard to deck generation um, it, yeah it's a little surprising to me that there's not more of that out there and people think okay what if what if we made a game like that that had a different theme different mechanics but still uh, algorithmically generated decks and um, and where we really push the design limits because people can't deck build I'd love to see somebody else try that and um you know there's no reason some, another project like that couldn't be successful so uh you know if that's something you're interested in you should you should go try to try to make something that that would um this fun and this engaging with uh with that that sort of constraint on it so um yeah so all that to say i i really think keyforge is around to stay for a good long while um, I, I certainly hope so, but I don't think it's wishful thinking. I think it really has doesn't have a lot of the things dragging it down that some other games have, uh, or the same risks that other games had. So I think we'll, we'll have it for for a long time. Um, but that's it. Those are my thoughts. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are in response, and uh, and I hope that you will keep on enjoying the game. That you'll get involved in playing online if you're not already and and that hopefully you'll be able to get together in person soon and uh, get out and forge some keys. Thanks.